Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with a mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome to another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast with me, Kia, where our mission is to bring light into darkness, just like the fireflies, by simply sharing the stories of people of color who live and thrive with a mental illness. So if you are new to this podcast, thank you for joining and welcome if you are an original listener and been listening since day one. Welcome back and thank you so much for tuning in week after week. So y'all, this week when I say, well last week, so by the time y'all hear this, it will be Monday, but this week has been, y'all, I was so tired. I had two speaking engagements, like I mentioned on last week's episode, because y'all got it a day late. So I'm getting adjusted and gradually back on schedule because like I said, I moved. I had two speaking engagements. I've had a conference and a training that I needed to go with. I still need to unpack and get my space in order because there's like boxes and things everywhere. But anyway, I am doing my best. So on last week's episode, I know the episode was super short, but not only did I want to get an episode out to you all, But I wanted to make sure that you understood what seasonal affective disorder is. So that's what last week's episode was about and talking about people who tend to battle depression around the same time every year battle with seasonal affective disorder. And studies show that it's usually heightened in the fall and increases in the winter months. And so I thought that it would be really helpful to talk about that topic because not a lot of people know what it is or people may realize that they feel depressed around the same time every year and maybe that could be their diagnosis. And so I would encourage if someone, the episode really resonated with you last week, I would encourage you to seek professional help that you go to a therapist um, so that you can get the proper diagnosis and that you can get the right treatment that you need. This week, y'all, I am super excited, super excited to talk about this topic because Janae and I, who's an awesome team therapist that's based in Philly, we did an Instagram live on Booked and Busy. I believe it was like in August or September and uh, we got a lot of great feedback from that, but I've also wanted to actually interview her on the podcast for people who may not have been able to tune into the Instagram live. When we think about Booked and Busy, where a lot of times because of the pressure of social media and us always feeling the need to keep up this facade or like we're always on, I would say that this episode is like a part two from the social media and comparison episode. So I did an episode, if you're new, there's an episode that I did called Are You Living Your Best Life or Best Lie? And I would say this episode is definitely like a part two to that episode, but there's also a part two to the episode that I did called Trust and Triggers. When we talk about being booked and busy and its impact on our mental health. Janae was like super 
open to talk about this topic. So before we get into this interview, let me just tell y'all a little bit about Janae because Janae is amazing. Y'all know I pretty much connect with all of the therapists that I know on social media. And for me, it's really important. Like I said, the reason why I have the therapist shout out is because I want more people of color and minority communities to know that there are people of color and other minorities who are clinicians. There are people out there who look like you if that is your thing, like where you feel like you want to work with someone who looks like you. At least that was a thing for me and I know other people who felt that same way. And so for me, my platform has always been about normalizing the mental health conversation, but also exposing people to clinicians and therapists, you know, people who are in this field who look like you, if that makes you feel comfortable. So yeah, let me just tell y'all about Janae. So Janae, she suffered from teen depression to being written off by her family and teachers as being just another troubled teen. But Janae Johnson, she has always been a firm believer that at any given moment, you have the power to say that this is not how I want my story to end. So Janae, she chooses to take control of her story, choosing to dedicate her life to uplifting and empowering the leaders of tomorrow. Janae's body of work includes a published book, magazine features, radio interviews, and multiple guest appearances. Janae has worked at local nonprofits and residential treatment homes and school. She has a bachelor's and a master's from Delaware State University and LaSalle University, respectively, is able to once again tap into people's deepest emotions and experiences in order to help them reach the breakthrough moment that she has once experienced as a teen. And Janae is truly passionate about working with teenagers. She has programs throughout the Philadelphia area where she's working with teens and she is doing amazing work. So I'm gonna let y'all get into this interview and then I'll come back at the end. So welcome Janae to the podcast and thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes. Oh my gosh. I am super excited to have this conversation with you. Because so a couple months back, I remember like being triggered because someone I I, don't, I think someone had said something to me about like, oh, my gosh, I'm so busy. So I remember doing an episode a few months back. I think it was called um, Trust and Triggers. And so mm. I was talking about my own personal thing, which I'm in therapy, so I'm a work in progress. So but I was saying how the word busy for some reason is very triggering and I haven't quite figured out it's depending on how it's used so for instance if someone says like if I'm trying to have a if I'm trying to like link up with a friend or something and I've gotten much better let me put that disclaimer out there and I'm trying to link up with the friend they're like girl I'm so busy or whatever and I'm like in my mind I feel like some of the busyness for me has been maybe it's rooted in like the absence of like my dad. And I always kind of felt like he chose his drug habit over me. So I think that's Mm -hmm. part, I think that's part of it. And so like when someone says that, I always say, well, we all make time for what we want to make time for. Now, does that mean that I expect my friend to wait on me hand and foot? Absolutely not. But I think it's um, going back to what we were saying, like, 
uh, prior before we started uh, the interview was like being intentional about the things because I think that pretty much anyone in my circle, um, and I'm going to stay in your circle as well, we're all very busy <laughs> people, especially as being entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. like being highly ambitious people. And so when we talk about busy, but I think in terms of like social media, I feel like just takes it to a whole nother level of like booked and busy. And you talk about um being busy and how it uh, impacts your mental health. And so for me, one of the things that I have done is be a bit more intentional, even though, yes, my schedule is getting um, very interesting. And by interesting, I mean, like, I, this is new for me in the sense of like, all that I'm going on, all that I have going on, because I've had like a slight career switch. So mm-hmm. I'm like getting adjusted to that and so with that is like my family members or friends will be like girl you have so much going on but I always tell them like yeah but if we want to hang out my relationships are some that are something extremely important to me and so I tend to check myself and not say things like girl I'm so busy so I can't hang out with you we may not be able to talk to each other or see each other as much but I'm still going to make an effort And I feel Mm -hmm. like with social media, it's like if you're not with social media, if you're not doing things like 24 seven, staying up till two, three o'clock in the morning and working on things every day, then it's like you're not doing enough. So I know I kind of just said a mouthful and kind of went a little bit all over, but (laughs) I wanted to ask you. You're (laughs) okay. So I wanted to ask you, where do you think like where do you think this comes from? Like this whole, I mean, outside of like social media, because when I was doing some research, I remember it was like, I think it was some reality TV star has said something like booked and busy. And I think everyone just kind of took it and ran with it as a therapist. What, like, what's your perception of this and its impact? Oh man. Um, so my perception of being busy or booked and busy means people are attaching their value to it. So everyone Mm. wants to be validated, right? Everyone wants to feel valued. And I think one of the main issues we have in our society today is that if a person isn't choosing the entrepreneur lifestyle, if a person isn't choosing to, you know, be out here creating content and doing all of that, they don't seem to be as valued, at Mm. least not without, you know, the social media proof. And the reason why I even bring that up, too, is because I think a lot of the times with people and the critiques that happen around people that do good, right? So for someone who may give something to the homeless or do charity, you have some people that are like, oh, that's great. And then you have a, a large amount of people that are like, why are you doing that? Why are you recording it? That should be personal, you know you shouldn't be out here like you're doing it just for show and so Mm. when I always see those kind of dialogues I'm always torn in between because one I feel people should have the choice to do whatever they want to do whether that show it not show it but I think the underlying thing is on a lot of different levels is am I being validated by this so that could be the person that's filming it do they get some type of validation from showing this? Is the person that's watching it feel less valued or less validated because they don't do things like that or because they don't decide to record it? So I think a lot of the mentality around books and busy has a lot to do with um, validation and how Mm. we feel valued. 
um, and if we feel valued at all. But it is about our perception of validation and being valued. That's kind of, that's what I, that's my vibe or my sense from it. Yeah, that's so good, Janae. And the reason, so wow, you said a mouthful. Because, <laughs> so I remember there's this other podcast episode that I did and it was called, Are You Living Your Best Life or your mm-hmm. best or best lie mm. because I remember you know everyone's hashtag living my best life so and <laughs> I'm I remember, tired of it I'm and, and so tired uh, of it so uh, some years back maybe about three years ago I remember right before my diagnosis I couldn't and for someone who's new listening to the podcast so I was diagnosed three years ago I think it was generalized anxiety disorder and major depressive disorder. And I remember I couldn't get on social media because I will always feel triggered. So I would feel triggered because at this point in my life, one, I was so new to like, okay, what does this diagnosis mean? I was, you know, trying to feel conflicted between like my relationship with God and having this diagnosis and trying to get to this point of, okay, accepting this is what it is and how do I move forward? But I remember I couldn't get on social media because like I would see people posting things like they're traveling or they just bought a house or they got married or, and I'm like, okay, so I'm not doing any of these things. So then like, what's wrong with me? So then I Mm -hmm. would feel the need to put, I would feel the need to put up this facade where like prior, like, so my background is media and communications. And so I have been blessed to work on shows like Black Girls Rock or the Soul Train Awards. And really mm-hmm. that was like my thing. And I, you know, I am super blessed and I truly enjoyed it. But I realized part of me always wanting to post that was to, um, I don't, maybe it was something to do with validation, but it was more so like, yeah, other people are doing that, but it's trying to make me feel like, well, I have stuff going on too, but I didn't want people to realize that I was also unhappy during this time. So Mm. I had to post all of these things to show like, and I think it was more so me being in denial. So, and not wanting to accept the diagnosis. So I would Mm -hmm. always post these things. You would see me posting things with the celebrities I was seeing backstage or working with or the projects that I was doing. And looking back on that time, I was like, wow, I was really in a bad place. And I fooled a lot of people and even myself. and And I remember people saying like, girl, what do you have to be depressed about? Like, you got your master's degree from Georgetown and you're working on this show and you're doing that. And then I was like, that's true, but I still don't feel well on the inside. And so that's right. when I had to take like this break from social media and really like be consistent in my treatment, being compliant with my meds and really working toward my healing to figure out where's all of this coming from and why am I comparing myself to someone else not realizing that what we see on social media is filtered because people create what they want you to see. Let's talk about that. Whew, that's a heavy one because it's it's so real. So I stole this quote from somewhere. I've seen it and I wish I could remember where I saw it because it's probably one of my absolute favorite quotes. And it is, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And when I, I tell myself that, I tell other people that because we can really get sucked into that comparison loop. And I think the reason why we do that a lot of the times 
too is because people can also, and I, I don't know how your listeners will take this, but people can also use shame as a tool to motivate. And for me, that doesn't work. And I think when we are looking at all of these, you know, influencer posts and all these people that may see, seem seemingly positive, if they're saying things like, you don't really want it if you're not up all night, that is promoting an unhealthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that that is going to begin to seep into your mind. And depending on how much they post with those type of, you know, underlying tenants, you are going to begin to live an unhealthy lifestyle under the guise of I'm busy or under the guise of I'm working or I'm an entrepreneur. And then it just really kind of begins to spiral out of control. Now, and I think that's just part of my issue with the motivating world today as it is. Half that stuff isn't motivating to me because I think it's just way too general and it's way too fear-based and shame-based when your season may not be my season. So we may have different seasons. You may be in a winning season. I may be in a still season. And I don't think that we understand that either. Like our lives aren't meant to just constantly be on the winning side. And I don't even, and and even when you talk about winning, it's like, what does that even look like? Do you want to be rich in health and emotion or just rich in money? Because women can be, it's subjective, that's one thing, but we don't always have to be out here in every article or doing every podcast or doing every event. Winning could be your business is thriving and you have enough money to feed yourself, your family, and your friends. You have money to travel to go hang out with your girls, right? You have the ableism, your body, your health to maneuver. But I think that we have such a skewed perception of winning and we're validated by stuff and we're validated Mm -hmm. by life and materials and we're validated by all of those things, not realizing those things are not what sustains us. It's all of those other relationships that people are probably neglecting, but that's what sustains us. And then I think that that's how you end up seeing that depression or that anxiety creep in because people are so focused on the things that are fleeting and transient to begin with. So I think that's part of my thought process when it comes to social media. A lot of these motivating accounts use shame-based tactics. And when you do that, you're going to, people are going to ingest that in a certain way. They think it's motivating for the moment, but then they realize they feel bad if they don't do something, right? That probably has happened to you. I know it's happened to me. It's like, oh, I'm I'm going to bed early or I'm tired. I should be up grinding because I watched something and it was like, you're supposed to be up all night. It's like, I cannot, my body literally cannot function without sleep. I'm going to be late to meetings. I'm going to be forgetful. And I've watched myself be forgetful, be late to meetings. And it's like, that isn't going to set me up for success. To me, the motivator, the motivators out there, some of them are cool. But I think a lot use a shameful tone. And I, I don't like, I don't like it. And I think that it does add to the culture of booked and busy which to me can sometimes even be like booked and broken because I don't Ooh. know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it, Girl. Like, you know, that's what's happening out here. People are being booked, but they are broken. They are broken because without even being booked, who are they going to be? What are they going to do? And I, and I think that that is, I think that's the issue. I'm, I'm so, and it's like, it's almost like all of these bookings are trying to put pieces together and it's, and, and they're not fitting. Janae, we just need, 
a pulpit <laughs> and we just need to have you preach on this. <laughs> I am no preacher. <laughs> I have like high moments, but I am no preacher. <laughs> no, like uh, it's so true because I remember when, so I remember during this time when I was doing all these things and I was working like 50, 11 jobs. And mm-hmm. I remember working on the holidays because I was, I, I was also in grad school at this time. So I needed to make sure that I had enough like money, obviously to sustain, but I was still like, oh my gosh, you know, and I remember posting things like this on social media. And if you probably dig up some stuff from like three or four years ago, you probably can find it. I'm not saying do it, but I remember <laughs> <laughs> that's a hint to Kia, go clean up your social media. <laughs> but uh-huh. I, re- I remember, I remember when like I would post these things, it would be like, I don't remember exactly what I would say, but it would say something along the lines, like working on my day off or like, you know, out here grinding or like team no sleep because like, that's what I would see on social media. So I was like, okay, well, if other people are doing that, then that's what I need to do. But now when I look at the power of therapy and like me working on myself, like now, like I could be on social media without being like feeling the need to compare myself because someone just bought a house and someone just got married. Mm -hmm. Like I can be on social media and be good because I've done so much work on myself. And a part of that is I always have to say therapy because I'm always Mm -hmm. pushing, pushing for it. But to see, like, where is this root, like, where is it rooted in? Like, because for Mm -hmm. every action, as you know, as a therapist, and I know you're going to vouch for this, but, like, everything that we do, it comes from somewhere, whether it's subconscious Mm -hmm. or conscious. Like, it's not like I'm just doing this just to do it. No, it's, I mean, and one of the things that I had to tell myself, I had to ask myself, well, then why do I feel the need to compare myself to somebody else? Why do Mm -hmm. I feel the need to post all of these things to make it seem like I'm actually happy and things are well, when in, when in reality, I'm broken and I literally feel dead on the inside. And shortly Mm -hmm. after, I'm not saying it was social media that led to my suicide attempt, but what I am saying is that it was years and years of obviously social media. Part of it was childhood trauma that was Mm -hmm. not addressed the other part of that was comparing myself to people and you think about all these things and people want to be booked and busy or be an entrepreneur or be an entrepreneur have these thriving businesses and we do all of these things and you know what I also realized for me is that I was doing all of these things to to avoid that's the word I'm looking for to mm-hmm. avoid and to not deal with my to not deal with my stuff. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that I want you to talk about is like the dangers of people always feeling the pressure and to and the need to to showcase every single thing because I remember you writing something I can't remember if it was on Twitter or Instagram but I remember you saying something along the lines like when I'm working with my teens and I'm having these very like transparent and vulnerable moments with them. Like y'all know what I do, but I'm not going to have my phone up in these, in these very intimate settings to, sh- um, to, to show that to you all. So can you talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit? 
Definitely, definitely. That was Instagram. I had a whole rant. I was mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, but it's like, you know, there's this idea of social proof, um, I think, is really causing people to live unhappy lives. And that's, and, it's, and that's exactly what it is to me. Because when you think about, right, quote, unquote, being booked and busy, a lot of people feel, okay, you do, you do have to promote yourself. You do have to put yourself out there. But for me, there's a way in which you do that, especially considering your populations and the different things that you are doing. But I also think a lot of it has to do with your purpose and who you really are and how you feel validated offline. Because mm-hmm. that validation starts offline that that healthy life starts offline where I think now we're in a society where people are looking for all of that online it's Mm -hmm. too transient it's not in your grasp you really can't touch that you really can't feel that you really can't you know it really cannot build you up no matter how many no matter how curated my timeline is and my timeline is curated I don't have mess I don't follow ball alert or the shade room I don't do none of that stuff on my timeline there's social media cannot give me joy. <laughs> it just it just doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's like, oh, that's nice, or I'm glad that I have these positive people on here, but social media itself gives me no joy. And I think that that's the problem. We have decided to replace actual connections with actual people, with actual conversation, with an actual exchange of emotion, with an online a factory of people and emotion and it's not realistic it also does not aid when you are talking to people in real life because the way we the way people communicate via text and emoji is not the same as real life <laughs> you know it's just it's just not the same like when you're sitting in the room with someone you have to now see their facial expression you now have to see how that makes what you just said makes them feel. You may even feel that energy in the room. You see the body language. You have to experience a lot of the senses. You get to smell them. And we have none of that online. Like, okay, maybe we're seeing, you know, a video, but we're not seeing the way that everything transpires. And so to me, I think the validation part of it and showing everything that you're doing online has a lot to do with people's lack of, you know, of of not having that validation offline and and trying to gain, like I said, social capital. Um, And I think it's, I think it can be helpful for business. I feel like social media is is a free marketing tool. I think it is nice to share and connect with family. But I think that there's a very fine line that we cross over and over again daily between this is real and that th- and this is fake. And I know for a lot of the teens, you know, I work with a lot of kids, part of the issue is they grew up in social media and their parents have semi-grew up and, you know, have grown up in social media. And so our youth are solely being validated by social media because parents also tend to have a hands-off approach now, too. Parents are in their phone just as much as their kids are. So that's why we see such a high uh, percentage of youth that are, you know, harming themselves and, and looking to social media for everything. 
And it's, it's, they're going to grow into adults with these same, you know, types of issues as well. But it's really just not having the validation offline, which I think prompts people to, to seek social media as a way to, you know, gain that validation, whether that's, you know, like you said, showing everything that you're doing, every store you're in, everything that you're buying, you know, people... I can't stand it. I can't stand when people show, like, how much money they make. Like, all of that is irritating to me because mm-hmm. it's, it's, to me, it's like, what are you doing? And I, I understand that people feel that that's their business model or whatever, and it's like, okay, fine, but eh, it's not my, it is not my twist at all. And I, I think that those are the things that impact us because you don't have to be a millionaire to live a happy life. You don't even have to make six figures to live a happy life, if I'm honest, because happiness really doesn't have anything to do with money itself. It has everything to do with your mindset around money. It has everything to do with, yeah, like everything to do with your your mindset, not the money itself. You know what, Janae, I'm so glad you brought that point up because perfect example, a couple days ago, we saw that Diddy posted on Twitter I mean, not Twitter, Instagram. And he was saying, I don't know if you saw it, all the money in the world can't make you happy. And he basically was uh, talking about the grief and he was asking for prayers of, you know, the loss of his, and the loss of his life partner. And he was saying like all the money in the world cannot, I don't quote my exact words, but it's I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing. All the money in the world can't like make this pain go away, can't. And as the thing, people do associate money and materialistics because of what they see on social media. And even like a couple years ago, remember the Bow Wow Challenge? Like, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> oh, poor Bow Wow. Bow Wow, I'm a therapist. I, if Bow Wow, if you out there and you hear this, or if anybody that knows Bow Wow hear it, please recommend him. To get a therapist, I think. But at Cardi B, I think, and I'm I'm going off on a different tangent here, but I'm thinking about all the people that are, you know, out here busy and booked. They need therapists. Mm-hmm. When your Absolutely. life shifts and changes like that, Cardi B is a perfect example. I was telling my friend that yesterday. I said she needs a therapist, not because I think that something is wrong, because people always have that idea that you only go to therapy when something is wrong. Mm-hmm. But you know, she has had so many life changes and transitions that I can't even imagine her emotionally. She she may not even be able to feel like she has anyone to talk to because her regular people from the Bronx probably can't keep up or she doesn't know who to trust in the industry. You know, she has had a lot going on. And I just said, I think she just deserves time where her mm-hmm. phone isn't ringing and people, she could just talk about whatever she wants to talk about. And mm-hmm. say whatever she wants to say. And I just was saying, I think she deserves that time. And I really do. I think that most artists need that time. And Bow Wow has had a lot of trouble in things online anyway. Um, so, yeah. But, yes, I remember the Bow Wow Challenge and everybody was, like, faking it or, like, getting on jets and, and taking close-up shots of small bottles of liquor. People would, people do weird stuff. Yes, but, right, I, I brought that up to say not um, – it's funny, but it's not funny. Um, because here's the thing that goes back to that need of seeking validation. And um also even talk when you're talking about Diddy, it's like, yeah, Diddy has all the money in the world that Diddy is extremely successful, he's famous, 
He, but at the same time, he's even with all of the amount of success that he's he's experienced, he's still a father. He still mm-hmm. is. He's still human. He has to grieve. He's he has to process, and so it amazes me that people assume that because people have all these things that they're happy when that's not the case. And we think about even Robin Williams, you know, and people can mm-hmm. look at someone and say like, oh, he had all the money in the world. He made people laugh and comedian and very talented. But, you know, what, you know, why would, why, but that goes back to, that's a whole nother topic, but addiction being and disease mm-hmm. that, sometimes people don't actually see it as such as like, Oh, just stop. Or like, just, just do mm-hmm. this. But I'm so glad that you point that you brought that point up. And I remember talking to uh, my sibling, um, well, one of my siblings, cause you know, I'm the oldest of seven. So mm-hmm. and I remember my, my brother telling me that um, if he doesn't get a hundred likes on social media, then he feels the need to take it down. The the post down. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, well, why? You're most likely what I'm hearing you say is that you need at least a hundred likes to feel validated. You need a hundred likes to feel like people like you or enough people saw it. And I said, that's speaking to an insecurity. I said, so let's mm-hmm. talk about that. And then he said, you know what? I guess, I guess you're right. I guess that does mean I'm insecure about something. And it's, it's like social media can be so amazing, but it's just talking about the dangers of that because the dangers of always feeling the need to be booked and busy or constantly seeking validation. Let's go and talk about burnout that actually happens because a result of always feeling the need to be on and like everything is great and nothing is going wrong in my life. And let's talk about like burnout because that's a very real thing. I can say that right before my attempt, I was definitely experiencing burnout in addition to like the, you know, the recent diagnosis and acceptance in that whole piece. But burnout is a very real thing. So can you talk about that? Yeah. So honestly, um, I always feel that burnout happens when, you know, you really weren't fully aligned to begin with because I think, I think that if you're doing what you're, what you set out to do and if you're doing it from a place of your purpose and understanding what you're doing and you're doing and having strong boundaries, burnout doesn't really happen, right? But burnout happens when we are insecure, and when we don't feel validated in certain things, when we have different narratives about ourselves that tell us that we're not good enough or that this isn't good enough or that there's more, we should be trying to reach that more. I think that that's really where burnout happens. And I, I also feel that we we really do not embrace a slow and steady lifestyle. We are literally always on the go. We are literally always trying to burn both ends of the stick. And I tell my friend that all the time. I say, you work so hard, but when do you get to enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Like, when do you think you're going to enjoy it? And the question hit him really hard because the reality is you, we think we're going to work all, you know, we work this hard and have time to sit and enjoy it, but that doesn't happen. People are younger and younger having heart attacks. People are younger and younger, you know what I mean, having health issues or different things are happening. And so for me, 
we have to be extremely mindful of what we're doing it for and how we're also enjoying what we've worked for as we're still even building. I don't even like the idea of, like, work now, play later. That, like, actually just doesn't even make sense in my brain because, to me, I'm just like, I don't know that later is going to be here. And I don't know that I want to sit in this space that I'm always looking for. Because people people respond differently. I'm not a person that does well looking forward to. I'm not. That's not my thing, right? So I'm not going to be motivated by looking forward to playing later, especially if the goalpost is going to keep moving. So if you don't, and I, and that can happen to me, right? I'm not the best at setting goals. I have to set a goal with an actual date. Because that's the only way I can actually conceptualize, I have this goal, I have this date. But so many of us out here set goals with no date, no action plan, no nothing. And when you don't have any of those things, how are you really going to reach that goal? And then that later gets further and further away, and you become more discouraged, more discouraged, and then you become more sad and more anxious about what's going on, then you begin to burn both ends of the stick. And honestly... That's the issue. One, it's a few issues. So one, I think we set goals that may not even be our goals. We may be setting goals based on somebody else that we see. Or like you said, you no team, no sleep. It's like, do you even agree with that? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think that so much, so much of that happens. We don't even know what we agree to or what we agree with. And as a woman, you know, I've been there. It's like, oh, you want to get a house? It's like, do I want a house? I don't know that I want a whole house. What a bus do it. I think I like condos, you know, and it's just, and I, I don't like, I don't like to cook, right? And so what does that say for my womanhood? A whole bunch of things according to a whole bunch of different people. But here I am, I stand in my truth. I don't like doing that. So what happens? My partner cooks because there's no reason why I would have to suffer and try to cook and burn down the whole house. And that's not even my thing, but I think the reality is I have to come to grips with the idea that, hey, Janae, this is your truth. This isn't your strong point. This isn't a place that you really want to be in, and that is okay. My life has been so much easier with that. And I think that that's the same concept that we have to apply when we're thinking about entrepreneurship and just our lives in general and this whole idea of being busy. It's just like, let me actually stop a bit and think about what I want for my life. Mm. And I read in a book, it's, it's uh, uh, is it Ayala? I think her name wrong. Ayala has a book called In the Meantime, and I really like that book. And it talks about how can you manage yourself in the meantime of things happening. And one thing I learned from that is that it's okay to know that you have an emotion, but you don't always have to express it. You can acknowledge it within self, but you don't necessarily have to express it. And that helped me really kind of shape my ideas of life. And she had another saying about attach yourself to the feeling that you want and not people. And when I read that, it also changed my whole perspective because I think sometimes when we talked earlier about like friends and being busy and having them around, I realized, okay, I need to attach myself to experiences and feelings Mm. and not necessarily people. Because if I can attach myself to feelings and experiences, I can get that anywhere Mm -hmm. or from anything because I'm going to be intentional about recreating this feeling or having this happy feeling, having this joyous or this adventurous feeling. But then that doesn't cause me to put too much pressure on one person or two people. It puts me in control 
of my life and of the feelings that I want to have. And I think more of us just need to do that. And when we talk about being booked and busy, I feel like I'm rambling, but when we talk about being booked and busy, I think it's really important for your personal life to be aligned too. So many of us, like you said, with therapy, we don't want to do the work on ourselves. And I am one of those people that totally believe that personal and business mix. You know how you hear that, like, business and personal don't mix together and all that? I don't believe that. You can't thrive in your business if you're personally a mess. Mm. There's just no way. <laughs> if you if you cannot keep your personal life together, your business is not going to thrive. Like, it's, there's just, to me, literally no way that you can have successful a successful business if you are personally not in order. It may, you know, it may operate, it may flow for a little bit, but what I'm talking about a sustained, booked, and busy life that's not draining, you have to have a good personal life. And I think that burnout is attached to those that do not have good boundaries, they don't have a, a purpose, um, and they don't know how to balance their lives well. And, they're, and they could just be broken and running. Sometimes we keep busy to stop ourselves from thinking, to stop Ooh. ourselves from calling the person that we need to call, from stopping ourselves from going to the place you need to go. And I, there's a lot of that happening, too. <sighs> Janae, Janae, Janae. Oh, my gosh. Like, I am sitting here, like, just throwing all the pins and paper at the wall because I'm like, yes, yes. It's <laughs> like, because it's so true. So I, I was the person who was very, I, I'm still very goal oriented and very, I've always, um, as a child, I've always been involved in Girl Scout, played the clarinet, mm-hmm. girl team, choir, praise dance, girl, like Takia has done everything. And I mm-hmm. realized as, as college and then grad school and being a young adult, it's like, okay, uh, it's like I realized that those things were I'm not saying that there was anything wrong with them, but I started to adopt it as a lifestyle in the need of always having to do all the all of these things. And I started neglecting my emotional and mental health. And so mm-hmm. because it was a way that if I did all these things, then, like you said, I wouldn't have to deal. And mm-hmm. that mean I wouldn't have to deal with the daddy issues that I personally didn't think I had daddy issues um, Mm -hmm. because I was so doing all these things. No, I feel like, you know what? Yeah. My father and I don't have the best relationship, but I'm fine. I'm doing well because in my mind I was like, well, this about to, you know, I'm all about being transparent on here. So like in my mind, I thought I was like, well, since I'm, you know, I'm fine. I, you know, I'm not in relationships with any guys. I'm like, I would uh, also at the time, this would tell y'all the space that I was in and how uneducated I was. But I was like, well, you know, I, I'm not out here, you know, flinging it. And by flinging it, I mean, like, as some people would call a whore or a thought, mm-hmm. um, you know, because a lot of people would associate associate that with daddy issues. And I was like, no. I was like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not out here like that. So I don't have any daddy issues, but not realizing daddy's issues doesn't always have to show up in someone being sexually active with all of these men. Like for me, it showed up in actually having a lack of trust. So Mm. for other people. Mm. 
So maybe that's another podcast episode. But <laughs> listen, because our stuff shows up in so many ways, and I think that we have been so conditioned to think that it only shows up in one way, and it doesn't. I have this theory about self harm. I obviously, you know, you know, I work with teens primarily, but I say all the time, self harm isn't just cutting; it's drinking excessively. It could be, you know, having unprotected sex, especially when you know about protected sex. And that, and, that, and so that's the thing. There's one thing from ignorance if you don't know, but if you know that there are a lot of STDs or different diseases out there and you are still making the choice to have unprotected sex like that, that's so harm to me. You are doing mm-hmm. something intentionally to harm yourself for whatever mm-hmm. reason, right? And a lot of the time, we go, we've gone so long with things being unnoticed or people not asking that at some point the thing that we do kept us, it, it helped us survive, right? So maybe all of those classes you took, all of those dance classes, all of those things, they kept you busy and it may have kept your mind off of it, but it didn't help your mind work through it. Right. And so when the dust still settles, because <laughs> it's going to settle, it still settles. And we wonder so often, like, why is this still an issue? Because instead of addressing it and letting it go through you, you kept trying to mask it. You kept putting a bunch of band-aids on it. There's an episode of SpongeBob where I love SpongeBob. Random, yes, but it's it's true. <laughs> uh, there's an episode of SpongeBob where they get a piece of paint on Mr. Krabs' picture. And oh, yes. They couldn't get it off, and they kept putting a bunch of picture frames on top of it. And really what happened was, and I'm using this example because it went from one picture on the wall to like a hundred. And so now it's protruding from that one little speck of paint that they wanted to cover up. Now it's thousands of feet outside of the wall and it's hitting Mr. Krabs as he walks in the door. You know, it's, it's in the way. And when we think about our emotions and our traumatic experiences, it's the same thing. If we try to cover it up, you, you're covering it. You're covering it up for like not forever, hopefully, but you're going to constantly be covering it up, and then at some point it's going to become unbearable, and you're going to have to deal with it. And typically, when it gets to that point, you know, it can seem like a whole you know fire has happened, but it you've been igniting it for so long, right? And so. It's it's interesting, but things definitely show up, and they show up in a litany of ways. Overworking is a thing, too. So when we talk about, like I said, when we talk about being booked and busy, that's the thing. Are you working because you don't want to go home? Are you, like, what's, what is happening? And I, I don't think that we take enough time to really take inventory of our lives and to ask ourselves these questions. Instead of asking ourselves these, uh, asking ourselves these questions, we say, oh, well, if I'm not out here being promiscuous and I don't have that issue, instead of sitting with yourself and saying, Dag, I have abandonment issues. And I had to do this to myself too. Like, okay, I have abandonment issues. I don't think it plays a role in my, like, sex life, but maybe it plays a role in whenever there's a conflict, I decide just to run. Because I don't, Girl, you know. Janae, stop like, reading me. that's how we chose I'm sorry, but like I'm being honest, <laughs> you know. And no. I had to, I really had to ask myself these questions because I, I was struggling with that for a long time. If we're being transparent, because I'm like, I don't know. I like that aspect of my life. I don't think that is showing up that way, 
because I'm very conscious about the choices that I'm making there, but what other ways is showing up? And then I realize, like, oh, when someone is actually really trying to care for me and show me love and affection, I'm like, excuse me, huh, what? I think they're speaking Spanish. <laughs> and then I start to struggle there. And that's when I realized, oh, so my daddy issues came up a different way. And I think that that's our issue. We look at it from one lens only, and that hinders us from actually healing because we also don't want to ask ourselves the question like, okay. And sometimes some of us have, you know, I'm putting this out there because I think we don't talk about it enough. Some of us have mommy issues. Mm-hmm. And with our mommy issues, and we still may be close to our mom, we're not realizing how that manifests within us or out and outside of us. And so, yeah, these things manifest. And being busy is one way that people can try to mask it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like, it's so true. So when I think about that, that's where when you talk about, it's like my mind is literally like, it's like a ping pong happening right now because <laughs> so, much, so much is coming up. But I think about one of the things that I remember saying on the, are you living your best life or best lie? You brought it up to Janaeus, like asking yourself these questions and then defining things for yourself. So I had to mm-hmm. ask myself and say, okay, well, Takia, what does success mean to you? And what does success look like for you? Not mm-hmm. what you see on social media. What do those things look like for you? So then I had to say, well, hmm, okay. I had to tell myself, now this could change, but I had to tell, you know what? Mm, I don't think I want children. As a long time, mm-hmm. I associated my my womanhood or womanhood being a woman with I have to have a child because that's what women do. But then when mm-hmm. I step back, which could be this is why I'm in therapy, but, but when I step back, I was like, okay, wait, maybe I don't want children. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't, and that's okay. That doesn't make me less of a woman, you know. And so that's mm-hmm. what I had myself and say like okay the beauty is you know I may the magic is I may fall in love and be like oh yeah that's my husband I gotta have a baby but you know mm-hmm. the thing is I had to think about and ask myself like okay what is what does success look like for me and that goes back to defining things for ourselves, which so many times we tend not to not to do that we feel like we have to have this quote-unquote American dream the white picket fence, you know, two kids, two and a half kids, which is the 0.5 is the dog in my mind. So <laughs> like we have to, we have to have these things in order to feel like we've made it, you know, we have mm-hmm. to make sure you go to college. It's like this formula that they fed us, you know, go to college and then you get a great job and then you retire. And then we see that the way of the world is not working in that formula that we have been fed. So then that also feeds the insecurities that feeds us the need to feel validated because our formula, like I'm trying to fit into this formula that I don't even agree with. It's like, well, what do, ha- what do you say to the woman who maybe doesn't even want to marry? So now is she not a mm-hmm. woman? Like, so it's all these things that come up for me. And so when you think about being booked and busy, one of the things that I had to do was learning to set boundaries for myself and other people. Um, yes. And so when you talk about boundary setting, so now this is a whole new, I'm a whole new Takiya now because shout out to Dr. Tucker. So I, <laughs> um, so I had to 
one of the things that I had to do was look now I'm so intentional y'all my friends laugh at me now because so for the past like my schedule has been increasing because I'm working on the certification and I got like another client and doing these great things but my friends was laughing at me because like at 9 30 for maybe like the past six weeks I've been taking you know melatonin and mm-hmm. within within an hour I plan to be asleep by 1030. And so like my goal was to, as far as creating, having better sleep hygiene. So my goal is 930. I'm taking melatonin. Uh, the plan is to be asleep by 1030. Then the plan is to get up around the same time every day, because we know that mm-hmm. when you get the same, if we can, even though it's hard, but if we get the same amount of sleep each day, that helps our be- bodies and our brains to perform at its maximum capacity opposed to one night you sleep in two hours and the next night you sleep in 10 hours. And it's like this, your mm-hmm. body is like, what is going on here? Like, I can't catch up with all that you're right. doing. So I was like, you know what? I have been getting extremely inten- intentional about, okay, I need to go to sleep here or even something as most, like most people know, I often talk about the the impact of watching my mom be verbally and physically abused and how so now when I go to Jersey, I don't stay at my mom's house. My mom is in a situation mm-hmm. where she's working to leave this abusive relationship that I've been, you know, I've watched how it's impacted not just me, but her and my siblings since I was about 11 years old. And so now when I go to New Jersey, I don't stay at my mom's house because I know that my siblings dad is a trigger for me. So opposed to before as a child, I didn't really have the option to be like, oh, well, I'm going to leave because this right. is safe. And so now it's, you know what, mom? Yes, I love you. And of course, when I go back to visit, I want to be around my siblings and I want to be around you. But at the same time, I realized that this environment is not safe for me. This is where the anxiety comes up for me when I start hyperventilating, my stomach start hurting hurting and realizing through therapy it's like just because we feel like as if someone being like a a childhood friend or somebody being a family member it's like oh I have to do this because I've known them for so long even though this doesn't feel safe for me this doesn't feel safe to me or I don't like the feelings that come up for me so can we talk about when you think about booked and busy but then and burnout, but then talking about the importance of boundary setting for yourself, but then also boundary setting for other people to making sure that one, you don't burn out. Uh, two, boundary setting is also a part of self-care. So I also know I said like a whole lot, but let's talk about that because I don't think a lot of people associate boundary setting. And when you think about as far as being intentional, booked and busy is like at a certain time, I'm turning my phone off because I'm not going to be talking to people all types of the of the hour because they feel like their mm-hmm. emergency needs to become my emergency. So let's talk about that. Yeah, for sure. So boundaries are so important just in every in in every walk of life and when we talk to when we talk about kind of like being happy one and being able to balance that it's really important even in your in your friendships and your family relationships and everything that you have boundaries um you know i was just reading that michelle williams and her fiance you know broke it off and she was you know saying that there's more healing to do and she was blaming herself and i was just like uh eh. I don't. I didn't want her to blame herself. 
One, because her fiancé, someone else commented somewhere else, like, oh, well, it seemed like he was taking on the brunt of everything. And I said, well, that was his choice, and he has to learn to put some of that stuff down. So there are times where people in our lives are putting things down and we feel like we have to pick it up, and we don't. And I think that that's the important part around having healthy boundaries is understanding. I can be there for this person through their time of need and not pick up their stuff. And when you realize that you can do that and you realize the benefit of that, one, because you want them to be able to work through their stuff. If you're constantly picking it up, then they can't pick it up and deal with it. And, and in order to have healthy, the healthy relationship that you may want with those people, you may have to leave their stuff hanging for a while. And they may not like that, and they may react or respond a certain way, but you know that at the end of that, they're going to come to you in a better place so that your relationship can flourish too. So that's, a, so that's something that I don't think we think about either. If somebody else is in a bad place, you guys may not be able to have a healthy relationship, period. Mm-hmm. And so the boundary that you have to set there may be we can't talk at all for now. And then, you know, that boundary could vary. And I think that that's another thing. Boundaries vary from situation to situation and from season to season. Mm-hmm. And I think that we also, we make a boundary and it becomes the blanket boundary for everything and everyone and the and we don't put any type of, like, end date on it. But we always have to be reassessing. We always have to reassess. Does this still work for me? Does this relationship work for me? Does this friendship work for me? Is the, bo- is the boundary that I gave this person still suitable? Can I give a little bit more space? Do I need to take away more space? We constantly have to be in a place of evaluation and assessment in order to stay Um, centered and to not be overwhelmed with our busy and be overwhelmed with our lives. And so the boundaries have to be flexible as well, and they have to change with time as well. And even in business, a boundary for me that I'm setting even for 2019 is around my speaking engagements. My speaking engagements, it's like, okay, I'm only speaking on these topics. I don't want to talk about anything else, so don't book me if it's not based on these topics and the thing with boundaries are people are going to try you for a few mm-hmm. reasons people are going to people are going to try you because one they may not know they may not know that you've set such a firm boundary mm-hmm. and that's okay but you have to continue to stay set on your boundary and two people are going to try their hand to get what they want but that shouldn't infuriate you because if you have a boundary you just enforce it you just say, this isn't going to work for me. This doesn't work for my schedule. This isn't something that I can do. And you still find ways to show up, you know. And I think that that's part of the issue when we think of boundaries and we think of certain toxic relationships. Sometimes we think we have to remove ourselves altogether. Sometimes we do, but sometimes it's our lack of boundaries. We don't, we don't stop to think about that. Like sometimes this person is continuing to act this way because of also the boundary that you set or you haven't set. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad, you know, a totally bad thing, but we also have to take accountability for the boundaries we set around our own lives and how they impact us. So that's my that's my thought on boundaries. I think boundaries are great. I, I do think that they need to be reassessed often to make yes. sure that they're still aligned with your life and making sure that they're still aligned with the purpose. Yeah. I mean, boundaries are so important for being quote unquote booked and busy because you don't want to be booked and burned out. 
You may right. want to be booked and busy, you know, booked and blessed, but you definitely don't want to be booked and broken and booked and burned out. Yeah. Well, like, and it's so like, that's why I'm always enforcing therapy. But I remember my brother saying to me, so my brother had surgery. And at this time I was in Jersey and I, his dad wasn't there. So mm-hmm. he was like, oh, can you come visit me? And so I was like, oh, okay, well, his father's not there right now. So I can go and visit, you know, I can, but I didn't like, but he was sitting outside on the, on the porch. So I didn't have to go inside the house. And so this boundary wasn't set until after my suicide attempt, because I started realizing, you know, the trauma and all of that. And so mm-hmm. I remember before I got there, I remember my brother telling me like, well, you just, you know, you just need to, to put that aside and um, you just need to put that aside and don't worry or don't think about him. And even my grandmother saying something like that too. And I said, no, I don't because I know how this makes me feel. And so I remember when mm-hmm. I went to go see him and even though his dad wasn't there the entire time I was on the porch, like talking to my brother, I was on edge. It and now, even though he wasn't there, I was on edge because I didn't know when he, his car would pull up. And then when I would see him, mm-hmm. I would feel the need to like run flight, like, gotta go so right this entire time I felt like I was comfortable so here I am like kind of bending this boundary that I've set because I was like oh well he's not here so I thought in my mind I would be okay but not realizing like the entire time my stomach was hurting um while I was Mm -hmm. standing on the porch and so I remember one time my mom was even talking about how she needed help with packing something. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll come to Jersey and help you pack. But if you want me to come and help you pack, he has to be gone. Like he has to be out of the house if I'm going to come inside to help you pack. And then my mom mm-hmm. was like, well, you know, just like your brother said, you know, you just have to put that sign. Up. No, I don't. Right. If you, if you want me to help you do something, then you have to respect the boundary that I have set. And so mm-hmm. if people will react or try to challenge because they, to them, especially if they need, haven't even set boundaries and they're still not in, they're not working on their stuff and they have been operating in dysfunction and brokenness. And you got into a place where you're like, no, I'm not operating like that. I've done too much work on myself. There will be some resistance or even some friction sometimes. And I had to tell myself like, no, like I'm not doing this anymore. Like I've done too much work on myself. And so when you talk about the importance of boundaries, one is to make sure that you are protected and to also check in with yourself to see how does this make me feel, whether it's something someone says, something someone uh, will do to you or don't do. And And then even with that piece, I realize when boundaries are not set, there's sometimes a lot of projecting that happens. Oh, so, yeah. So I remember where, you know, so I, I had a situation that came up with a friend and there was like, it really put a rift in the, in the friendship, not realizing like, oh, okay, there are some things that I can definitely own. But one of the things that the other person wasn't um, owning up to was like, oh, well, I feel the need to uh, people please. So Mm. you talk about someone feeling the need to want to um, maybe find their validation and helping people or wherever it may come from. If the boundary isn't set, 
that I have a cap as a person on what I'm willing to do to assist for someone, then the other person uh, winds up getting uh, envious or they either burn out for all of the the help that they're um, providing to someone. Mm -hmm. But then it but then it's like me realizing like, oh, so I didn't necessarily say no to turning down the help if someone's offering, if someone is offering it. But then at the same time, now you have this other person projecting. And so can you talk a little bit about it's just even as far as when you don't set these boundaries and then um, people projecting things and then what it can do to relationships? Yeah, so not setting you so you said a lot of good things and one thing that I that even stuck out to me around the projection um is when your family was kind of saying to you like oh you know you're gonna have to put that in the passion I'm gonna have to put that behind you and I just kept saying to myself it's so interesting because the only reason or part of the reason why they may want you to put it behind you know you is because Every time you say something and you set that boundary, it, it could be a reminder to them that they haven't set a boundary. And it could be a reminder to them that they are, you know, they haven't addressed the very thing that could also be bothering them, right? Mm. And I think that that happens so much in our lives that when, and, and I love this and I tell people this all the time, sometimes it only takes one person to shift the, the flow of the family, or mm. to shift the flow of a situation. And so you may just need to be the one person that keeps that boundary because then now you're modeling how to set a boundary. You're modeling, you know, sticking to it, where they may be trying to pull you back in to the homeostasis, which is the balance, right, the the status quo. And if the status quo is, oh, put it behind you, we're not really going to talk about that, that's a harmful status quo. And so – you know, when you decide, hey, I'm going to stand tall over here, you begin to, you know, pull, pull away from that status quo, which puts a strain on what the environment is like. And so I think I tell people that all the time, like people can change just by proxy of you standing strong and not even strong in terms of not acknowledging your feelings, but strong in terms of this is my boundary. You could be teaching them how to have a boundary, right? You could be letting them know, like, okay, well, if I want to spend more time with her, then I have to step outside of this world myself. And what happens when they step outside of that world? A whole lot could happen, you know, from them stepping outside of that world. And so, yes, projection is a real is a real thing. And when people don't have boundaries, they tend to do a lot of projection in general. Um and I think that that's – and so people people who don't have boundaries tend to do projecting, and then people who don't have boundaries can get projected on a lot as mm. well. Um, and I think that, that is definitely something that we don't talk about enough. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a victim of that, if you will, because I have boundaries, but I haven't always had them because I'm like, oh, I'm going to help everybody. I'm going to do all of this. And then I would realize – Ooh, I feel so heavy. And it's like, well, why do I feel heavy? Because I'm not going through anything personally, but people have been projecting their stuff on me for years or months because I never had a boundary. Whenever mm. they called, I would answer. Whenever they needed something, I would drive. Whenever, you know, and so I'm like, wow, I feel heavy because I invited all of this in. I've been like a projector screen, right, for mm. however long. 
And when I, I realized, like, okay, I don't want to be a projector screen because none of this is my stuff, then I realized, okay, you need to set firmer boundaries. You need to have firmer boundaries, but then reset the tone of the relationship. Um, and I think that that's also a key. Even with boundaries, you sometimes have to set, you have to reset the tone of the friendship or the relationship. And I think that that often gets missed. We set a boundary for health reasons, and it's important, but then we never circle back to say, look, you know, this boundary is set, but I still want us to, or even like for an example, if a friend always invites you over, but you know, every time you go over, you get sucked into something, you could just set a boundary with yourself to say, hey, I'm not going back over there, but I'll invite, you know, him or her out for lunch. Because that's you resetting the tone for the friendship. Because you more, more than likely value it, but you can't operate in it the way that you were. Mm. And again, I think when yeah, I think when we think about boundaries and projection, some of it is our fault too. But we don't take the time to reset the tone. We don't take the time to just shift it. And sometimes that shift is just on us. I tell people all the time. I may not tell you, it's just kind of like with the Ayala thing, I may not express everything that I'm feeling, but if I think it's going to be helpful, I'm just going to, I'm going to actually do the thing that I think is going to change the pace and see what happens. Right. And you may not even realize it. No, I may not realize it. The person may not realize it, but what will happen is. Oh, no, I was saying they may not realize it. Like the person may not realize it. Right. They probably don't even realize it, but yet both of our needs are being met. We're still having time together. We're still talking. We're still doing all of these different things, but we're not doing it in a way that's traumatic, you know, for some people or some situations. Um, And I think that we see that when we talk about books and busy and business, too. People have a lot of traumatic business experiences, and a lot of that has to do with the lack of boundaries and, and projection. Absolutely. So if someone, before we go, if someone has trouble setting a bound, setting boundaries for themselves and for other people, um, a boundary is, let me put this out there, a boundary is sometimes as simple as saying no, no without an explanation, because you don't always have to say no, because X, Y, and Z. We always sometimes feel the need to explain ourselves to make the, the no like a nicer no. But mm-hmm. a boundary could be sometimes it's just as simple as saying, no, like, no, I can't do that. And so if someone mm-hmm. is having a challenge when it comes to boundaries, what would you recommend for them? I would actually recommend some internal thinking, right, and questioning. Like, okay, why is this so hard for me? What What part of this makes it hard? Is it the boundary? Is it the boundary that I'm attempting to set that makes it hard? Is it the person? Um, what is what is the boundary and why am I having an issue with it? And I think that once you think through those things, one, you'll realize that the original boundary you were setting was probably didn't fit the crime, if that makes any sense. You know how we always say, like, the crime doesn't fit the time? Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same. The same thing applies with boundary making. I think sometimes we go too far extreme with setting a boundary where it may be a half a step or something small. It could be something as small as, if you answer the phone every time someone calls and they call all the time and now you're irritated, don't answer one or two calls. Mm-hmm. That's a boundary. You know, it's, it's something very simple at times. And it's not always, oh, I'm sick of her. I'm never answering any of her calls. No, you could just maybe stop answering one or two. 
or, you know, maybe answering a text later in the day instead of deciding to text that person all day because you know that they will text all day because then over the next few times that that happening, that person will begin to understand, oh, I have a better shot at texting Lisa in the evening mm-hmm. versus all day. Although you may have texted all day in the past, now this person understands that evenings are better for texting or when you'll respond. And then they'll start to stop texting everything during the middle of the day. So that's what I would say, just really thinking about what's the issue, how it's making you feel, like what is coming up for you, and just really exploring all of that and just making sure that the boundary is appropriate to the actual situation that's happening. And also just self-evaluating, like, hey, am I part of the reason that this is happening? Is there a lack of a boundary that I have within myself? Because it's not always Mm -hmm. the other person. Sometimes it's within us. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I struggled with, I'm I'm helpful, and I sometimes struggle with always being helpful. That I'll bend over backwards just so that someone could make sure they, so I can make sure someone knows that I'm helpful. And it's like, why are you doing all that? Mm-hmm. So some boundary things or some issues were, were myself. So also looking at yourself and asking yourself, like, is some of this me? Again, I would say therapy is always helpful. But just even reading more books, too. I think sometimes there's so much knowledge out here that maybe we'll search for it, but we don't actually sit and read it and digest it. Mm-hmm. And so I would also even just suggest people taking out time to read up on you know, whatever whatever it is that they want to set a boundary around, take some time to read an article or two about that issue. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's about family, if it's about friendship, if it's about business, find an article around that. Read somebody else's experience and, or research and kind of see what else is going on. Because we, like I said, we have access to information, but we don't always read it and ingest it and attempt to apply it. So those mm-hmm. would be just some of my more simple kind of suggestions of course therapy is always great for everyone but yeah we got to do a little bit more self-reflection we should always be self-reflecting for growth in general one of the last points that I wanted to make is for people to understand that booked and busy let's talk about making sure that we're being intentional about yes what we're being booked and busy with. So mm-hmm. booked and busy could be in like my calendar. I had to just tell myself this this week. I've literally been traveling all this week. And even though I was just traveling in the state of Maryland, I was literally exhausted with like two speaking engagements. Then I had a conference and then I was doing a training for the certification I'm working on. And literally one day I was so tired. I was so tired that I felt like crying. Like I've had moments where I've been so tired that I just really wanted to cry. And so Mm -hmm. what I did was I was like, you know what? I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed at before nine o'clock. And so what I did was I said, you know what? I'm going to bed and I'm not answering my phone. And that's what that's what it's going to be. And so even as far as being intentional about doing things for yourself, like just not mm-hmm. filling the calendar up with this speaking engagement or working, or if you're a parent, the kids or taking care of your family or whatever it is, like being intentional about like taking care of yourself within because book, booked and busy productivity, a lot of times we don't associate resting with being productive, but how are you going to do all these things if you're booked and busy um, and you're not associating resting with being productive because your body there's a um a financial um 
coach and she's a she called she's America's money maving uh Patrice Washington and she always says that you have to protect the vessel that needs to perform your god-given vision and mm-hmm. so i had to tell myself like you know what Takia, in my calendar i realized when i when you talk about checking in with yourself i realized that on mm-hmm. my calendar i had speaking engagements i had client meetings i had um bills that was due um, so, or I had reminders of when money would be deducted out of my account for things that were set on auto pay. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't have nothing in here for like what I'm gonna do for myself. And I didn't mean like the gym. Cause I've been doing really well with my gym, um, and working out, but I meant like doing things that, cause to me going to the gym feels like a chore. So I meant doing something that doesn't feel like a chore. So mm-hmm. I went last week, last Saturday, I went to the live podcast show to, you know, Jesus and Joloff and like. Mm-hmm. I made sure that I, you know, I started reading a new book. So just being intentional about booked and busy doesn't always have to mean you doing something. That resting is also a part of being pro- uh, productive. So that was the last point I wanted to make. Yeah, it is. And, and, and being booked and busy could even be just intentional about your like your actual life, you know, like I'm going to be going, uh, driving an hour and 45 minutes away to Jersey. I'm in Philly because it's my goddaughter's like first piano recital. And when you think about what that means, you know, people are like, oh, you're going to drive. And it's like, well, yeah, because these are moments, right, that are going to carry me. We don't always have to be booked and busy in business. We can mm-hmm. be booked and busy for smiles, for hugs. Like, oh, she's going to be so excited, you know. I'm going to be so excited. And it's just, we have to also think about how to be intentional with being booked and busy in our personal life and our personal lives too. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Janae. So before you go, if you can share your awesome social media handles, so if anybody wants to connect with you or your website, your books, any of that information before you go. Yes, yeah, so guys, I am on all socials. Um, my favorite platform is probably Instagram <laughs> and Twitter. Um, I'm there as Janae Chanel, J-A-Y-N-A-Y-C-H-A-N-E-L. And yeah, you guys can find me there. Again, like I've been mentioning, I'm a teen author, and I have a teen self-help book called Dear Teen Self. You can find that on Amazon and um, Barnes & Noble and also my website. So thank you guys for tuning in. All right, you guys. So I know that y'all enjoyed the interview with Janae because she dropped so many gems and she just further confirmed and just helped me realize that I'm just on the right track when I think about my mental health and I think about boundary setting and I think about all the work that I have done. So since we talked to a therapist on this week's episode, Janae is the therapist shout out for the week. So if you're new to the podcast and you may not know what I'm talking about, but I do have a therapist shout out. And the goal is for week after week to introduce the audience, you all, my fireflies, to a new therapist. So Janae is a therapist. She works with teenagers. So if you are in the Philadelphia area, be sure to hit her up. I'll be sure to leave all of Janae's contact information in the show notes, her website. And if you would like to work with her, you would like to book her to speak. You'll have all that information in the show notes. Also, y'all, there's no mind, body, and soulness segment for this week because this that topic was a mind, body, and soulness segment as well. 
so y'all know I'm always trying to keep the interviews as under hours I possibly can sometimes I fail at doing so but yes so that interview sums up everything that the different segments that we had so shout out to Janae and just being so awesome I also wanted to just let you guys know if there are any topics in particular that you want me to highlight go ahead and just shoot me a dm on any form of social media i'm at fireflies pod on all forms of social media or you can email me kia at fireflyesunite.com and then also i have a speaking engagement so by the time y'all hear this you would either be on your way to the speaking engagement or you probably will listen to it too late but I have a speaking engagement Monday, which is the 10th and is in Frederick, Maryland. I'll be sure to leave it in the show notes so that if you are interested in coming, you can do so. But again, like I said, by the time y'all hear this, I probably would have spoke already, but I still want to put it out there just in case. Thank you all for listening. You all have a blessed week and I'll talk to you next week. I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health, but please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.